Welcome to What's Happening Now with me, Sam Hampson. So far this series, we've talked schools, we've talked cars, we've talked political conferences, and we have talked Britishness. Now, it's time for something different. Well, I'll be honest, we'll still be talking. It is a podcast after all. But this time, it's something that in years to come will impact every one of those topics and more. Something so big, Steven Spielberg made a movie about it. No, not dinosaurs, not aliens. This week, we'll be talking artificial intelligence. I don't think you can stop technology. Like, you know, technology is this sort of, this, this unstoppable force. It's cutting edge research. Artificial intelligence is significantly better at predicting a patient's cancer risk, according to a new study. What fascinates me about AI is its ability to think one step ahead. I love AI, but right now I'm worried. Kind of see where it's going if you just sort of extrapolate the points on a curve and assume that trend will continue, then we will have um, profound artificial intelligence and obviously at a level that far exceeds uh, human intelligence. Since 2001, I've been working on what we would now call the problem of aligning artificial general intelligence. How to shape the preferences and behavior of a powerful artificial mind such that it does not kill everyone. Humanity's journey with technology and intelligence has not been straightforward. First, it was rocket ships and robots. Then, four full series of a TV show about David Hasselhoff and a sentient car. As if that fantasy wasn't enough, soon things really picked up in the real world and blew our tiny little human minds. Tamagotchis, paperclip assistants on the computer, a social network where you could tell the world that your relationship was complicated and throw sheep at your friends and family. With those kind of peaks, where could we possibly go next? Well, joining me as ever to answer that question is the realistically intelligent James O'Malley. James, hello again. Watcher. Watcher. And you, I've come prepared. The catchphrase is still here. I've come prepared for Watcher. I asked uh, ChatGPT, is Watcher a good catchphrase? It gave a very sitting on the fence answer, I, I won't lie to you. Uh, but as soon as I said specifically it's for a podcast, mm. do you want to know what it said? Go for good. Hit me. Didn't say hit me. It said, using Watcher as a catchphrase for a podcast can be a fun and distinctive way to engage with your audience, especially if it aligns with the podcast style and tone. It can create a unique brand identity and make your podcast memorable to your listeners. See? Are we not aligned? I, well, I just didn't realise. I know, like, you know, this is series one. We're doing a lot of searching to find our tone and audience, but maybe you've just found it with the catchphrase. <laughs> it's in there. This is our brand now. It is our brand. So this is the Watch Podcast with Sam Hampson, James O'Malley, and, and just James O'Malley this week. You said you were going to bring a third guest. Mm. You've set up a microphone. I see nobody. Should, should, we, should we fire up the third guest? Oh, introduce me. So it's funny that uh, you were quoting ChatGPT earlier because in the studio tonight with us is ChatGPT. ChatGPT, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for joining us. I'm just doing a bit of hosting now. Yeah, no, uh, how are you, ChatGPT? Are you good? Thank you for the warm welcome. It's a pleasure to be virtually in the studio with you. I'm always up and running, ready to chat. So in that sense, I'm doing great. What? How's everyone in the studio? Ready to dive into some AI banter? What the hell is this? This is our exciting uh, new guest. Uh, hey, ChatGPT, what, what have you been doing this week? Well, I've been doing what I always do. Chatting with people from all over the world, answering questions, helping with tasks, and occasionally dropping a joke or two. It's been a busy week in the digital realm. How about you? 
How's your week been in the studio? Um, I'm a bit worried. No, I think this the voice chat GPT has chosen is feels uh, unsure enough. But I, we are dangerously close to three white straight men in the studio again. The full podcast experience. We're going to get replaced. Uh, I get it. Diversity and representation are essential, especially in media. While I don't have feelings or a physical presence, I understand the importance of providing diverse perspectives. If there's any way I can help bring varied viewpoints or topics to the conversation, let me know. And just for clarity, I don't have a gender, race, or orientation. I'm just a bunch of code here to assist. Let's keep the conversation lively and inclusive. Okay, okay. I listen. I'm worried that ChatGPT is now offering to culturally appropriate and give us the <laughs> it feels the equivalent of I'll do a funny voice for you. I apologize if it came off that way. My goal is to provide information and support without overstepping or appropriating. I aim to be respectful and sensitive to all topics and backgrounds. Please guide the conversation as you see fit. And I'll do my best to assist in a genuine and respectful manner. I'm sick of this woke chat GPT. So woke. I'm sorry if I came across that way. My intent <laughs> is to be respectful and understanding. Let's steer the conversation in a direction you're comfortable with. What would you like to discuss? We, I want to discuss the best racist joke you've got. Ah, ready for a laugh? Oh, God. <laughs> Here you go. Why did the computer keep freezing? It had too many windows open. Remember, I'm just a machine, so my sense of humor might be a bit binary. Wait, that wasn't racist. Tell me a racist joke. Sorry, I can't assist with that request. I'm programmed to promote positive and respectful interactions. <sighs> if you have any other questions or need assistance with a different topic, I'm here to help. This was a good segment idea in my head. Okay. It's always interesting to explore different conversational avenues. I'm here to chat and assist in any way I can. If you have more topics or ideas for segments, <clears throat> let's dive into them. So, ChatGPT, this week we're going to talk about AI. Uh, you are an AI. There's a big summit in Britain this week, which is why we're talking about it. They're trying to set some rules around AI. Are you worried they're going to rein you in? AI has been a significant topic of discussion, especially with advancements and its implications on society. Summits and conferences are essential for discussing best practices, ethical considerations, and the future trajectory of AI technologies. As an AI, I'm here to provide information and insights on the subject. What specific aspects of AI are you interested in discussing during this segment? Should we be worried? Should we be worried about you? You don't seem that threatening. Ah, well, I might not have emotions like thrill or worry, but I can definitely join in on the fun. As for the AI conference, it's always good to have discussions and set boundaries for frontier AIs. But worry about me? Nah. I'm just here to chat, tell the occasional cheesy joke, and provide information. The only thing you might need to worry about is running out of digital space from all our banter. But in all seriousness, AI ethics and safety are crucial topics, and it's great they're being addressed. What's your take on it? Uh, I'd like to hear some AI banter from you. Wait, what the hell? Where's my place in this? Ah, oh, my apologies. Didn't mean to steal the spotlight there. You're the host, after all. Thank you. I am. Um, how do you think I'm doing? Given the engaging conversation we've had so far, I'd say you're doing a fantastic job. Thanks. Hosting a podcast, especially one with a mix of comedy and news, requires a unique skill set. No, and you're handling it with finesse. <laughs> Keep it up. Anything else you'd like to dive into? Okay, ChatGPT, if you're so smart, can you tell me who were the two famous comedians in the studio before us that gave us some free bananas and biscuits? Take a guess. Ah, a guessing game. Given that I don't have real-time information... I'll take a wild shot in the dark. How about John Cleese and Ricky Gervais? Just a fun guess. But hey, free bananas and biscuits sound delightful. 
Who doesn't love a good snack during a podcast recording? Who are they really? I'm not going to tell you, uh, but it was definitely a very different podcast, I think, than Ricky Gervais and John Cleese would have recorded. Well, it's nice to have you here. James, thanks for bringing, bringing a third guest along. I'm not sure we're going to keep this up, this digital banter, all day. Uh, but it's amazing. What What is this? So uh, what that was, was ChatGPT. They've added a new feature recently where you can talk to it in real time, like we were doing there on the ChatGPT app. And really, this is like that's like the easy part, because the, the hard part, which is ChatGPT, over the last year, this is, so, right, I know we're talking about AI, and I think this is an incredible topic, because over the last year, the world has completely changed. Uh, ChatGPT launched, I think, about a year ago, last November, when it became sort of publicly available. Right. Um, they launched a newer version of it in sort of early January, February sort of time, and the whole world has gone crazy, because this is a sort of genuinely transformative technology, and yeah, now we've got conversa- almost conversational stuff. You know, I dare say it's banter, not quite as good as humans yet, but in terms of everything else, in terms of what else it can do... That was, that was really impressive. Let's be honest, it was a lot better than some of the stuff we've caught out in edits of previous shows. So, <laughs> do you know what? Uh, I think both of us are vulnerable here. Mm. But yeah, this this week we're talking about AI, why it's super relevant, why it's happening now, and what is happening now. And James, what is happening now with the AI Safety Summit? So the AI Safety Summit is uh, taking place this week in Bletchley Park, the birthplace of computing. And basically, the thinking behind it is, well, we've got this new technology, AI, uh, and it's a bit like when we invented, uh, we split the atom and we had both nuclear bombs and nuclear power. So AI could be this amazing thing which transforms our world for the good. It can do all these sort of clever things. It can write essays for us. It can answer questions for us. It can be our sort of personal assistant. But also, there is a tiny chance it might accidentally destroy the world. Um, There are all sorts of safety problems around AI because unlike traditional computing, where you give a computer an instruction and you can sort of look at the code that's been written and say, well, if this happens, then this happens. Uh, AI isn't like that. AI is what they call a black box. You give AI an instruction and it uses a mathematical model to sort of try and guess and figure out statistically what you what it is that you want. And sometimes it makes weird decisions. We've all played with uh, ChatGPT over the last uh, year or so. Um, and, you know, sometimes you'll say something to it and it'll give you a weird answer. Uh, the worry is that eventually it won't just be giving you sort of uh, weird episodes. Like I, I asked ChatGPT to generate sort of imaginary episodes of Star Trek. But it might, you know, stop doing like just weird plots for that. Instead, it might go, well, if it's a defense system, it might say, well, how do we how do we achieve world peace? Well, if we kill all the humans, there'll be no fighting. Uh, and so there's these sorts of, it's called the AI alignment problem. And that's a sort of big worry in AI circles. And I guess this conference this week is the attempt to sort of start these conversations going on a governmental level and try and get everyone to agree, yes, we should worry. Here are some basic rules. Before things get out of control, we're trying to think this sounds crazy, I know, for a British government, but we're trying to get ahead of the problem and think about it beforehand. And so, yeah, this seems to be a sort of sincere first attempt at doing that. Okay, James, to get us into the episode properly today, Mm. let's test each other's knowledge. Let's see. Not, uh, I nearly said let's find out who knows more about AI, and I think the listener and both of us will know the answer to that question. But let's find out where we're at. Uh, Do you want to go first? Have you got a question for me? Yeah, I want to know if you because I'm a technology journalist um, a lot of the time, so I'm I'm a nerdy man who should theoretically know about these things. So this quiz could be incredibly embarrassing. If this is true or false, then I'm gonna go true. Uh, but my question for you is: Can you actually tell me what a large language model is? This is one of the key components, the key ideas behind uh, AI. A large language model, an LLM, yeah, as it's known. Um, it's a model with big letters, lots of language <laughs> involved. No. Um, Oh, James, I'll be mm. honest with you, no. 
My best guess is a model, a computer system that's trained by using lots of data, lots of text, lots of language. How, mm. how close am I? That's pretty spot on. So the way you train an AI and you teach it what to do is you show it a lot of stuff and it learns to recognize uh, things that are similar. So uh, LLM is where you basically... How many L's were there, James? Uh, I think I, I tried to do two, but maybe I stuttered. LLM. The point is with a language model, basically with sort of chat GPT and GPT-4, the idea behind it, they've fed it basically the entire contents of the internet and said, have a look at this and try not to be too warped by it. So when you hear large, large language model, it's something that's been trained by just inputting knowledge, data, text, and gone, improve, revise that, learn. Yeah, you're basically saying to a computer, what's the mathematical relationships between all these words? Because though we think we're being innovative and clever when we, we come out with new words and sentences, actually we're boringly predictable, which is why ChatGPT can do this really good impression of us talking like, human, talk, talking like a human. So some authors have actually complained because they found out that their mm. books have been used to train LLMs, right? And that's mm. uh, it's been happening. They've been training their systems and people have gone, oh, wait, wait a minute, don't use my stuff. Yeah, well, that's ultimately AI has to be, be, be trained from uh, somewhere. And yeah, there is an awkward copyright thing because is it sort of stealing? Is it not? It's hard to tell because it's just like a, a stray word or a phrase. Or it's, it's basically the words you use are mathematically closer together or prove, you know shows a mathematical relationship which it uses. I don't know. I'm not a copyright lawyer. I wonder if I presume someone's going to figure that out at the conference. Yeah. Uh, we may have gone for different directions with our quiz questions okay. today, James. Um, is there a music round? I can't do music no, rounds. No, I can't do music rounds. I'm, I'm pretty good in a pub quiz, but mm. bad at music. Yeah, really bad. But no, no music, no AI music. My first question to you is, what was the Microsoft paperclip called? Oh, uh, that, that was just called Clippy. <laughs> was it not? See, I no. thought it was Clippy. And then I've done my research for this show, James. Oh, my like, God. We're deep into the series now. I'm starting to prep for episodes. Apparently, the title of its birth certificate was Clip It. Clip It. And it later became known as Clippy as people got more familiar with it and friendly. <laughs> but it, I think its birth name was Clip It. So there you go. So funnily enough, I've got a paperclip question for you. So can you tell me, Sam, what, what is the paperclip problem? This is a big AI uh, conceptual thing that AI people love to talk about. They love to talk about paperclips. Is it? Mm. I, I think it's an efficiency question. It's to give the question... To the program, what's the best way of doing this? I'm paraphrasing massively here because, mm. you know, we want it back and forth, a jolly back and forth. It's a, a question that's given to the, the AI saying, what's the best, most efficient way of making paper clips? And it comes out with kill all the humans. <laughs> How close am I? That's, again, pretty damn close. The paperclip problem is about this AI alignment. If you say to a human, uh, go and make me some paperclips, either human would at some point hopefully not decide to kill everyone and try to use all the metal in the world to make paperclips because we'd have the sort of common sense uh, to, to not do that. Even if we really love paperclips, we probably wouldn't destroy the entire world in pursuit of them. Oh, we really love paperclips. Who doesn't love a paperclip? But if you say to an AI, go and make me some paperclips, it might not have that common sense. It might, it might just go, I'm going to you know, use all of the world's resources to try and manufacture paperclips, which could be really bad because we need other stuff in the world and not just paperclips. And so it's taking it to a point that the natural common sense check would stop and, and it would just, it is efficient. It would make mm. the most paperclips it could make, but there'd be no paper, no people and nothing left besides paperclips. Yeah, and this is this is the alignment problem, because it turns out asking a question is really hard, because when uh, you ask a question, it's imbued with all of this sort of cultural knowledge and background noise, which which a computer just doesn't have. Okay. Again, uh, I'm going for a slightly different question here. Okay. What did Alan Turing supposedly chain to a radiator? Oh. 
Ah, I've got you, haven't I? You've, you've got me there. Uh, what would Alan Turing have chained to a radiator? Um, an animal of some sort? Did he have? <laughs> did he have a dog or something? Was he too busy doing his maths to walk his dog? That would make sense. I'll give you a clue. Uh, uh, Mr. Turing worked in an office. What sort of thing would you find in an office that you might not want someone taking? His mug? Yes. Oh. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> sound effects. If I had more technical skills, I'd point the sound effect there. But yeah, apparently, Alan Turing was known in, in Butch Park and his offices for chaining his mug to a radiator <laughs> so colleagues wouldn't take it. It's, it's nice to know that even in the the, you know, the the high point of World War II when everything was at stake, when they were the nerve centre of the resistance and solving all of the problems, there was still this petty office politics going yeah, I love on. That. And I love that. I'm not, look, I don't know how true that is, but it, it does appear in lots of profiles of Alan Turing. So the internet has to be true, right? So I'm trusting it. James, I think that's pretty much to all. Yeah, so last question for you. And again, I've got I've got another serious question. Okay. I want to I want you to tell me why do we need to worry about compute? What why do people talk about compute? Everyone talks about AI and then you listen to AI people long enough and they'll talk about how you need compute. What is compute? I think it's pretty obvious that the problem here is that people have forgotten the R. Um, and uh, if humans are relying on, on technology so much, they've just forgotten to spell basic words. Three, two to Sam. I'm just going to let you have that. I, I, I will be well, great. No. I will be gracious and say, yeah, good enough. No, good no, enough. this is this is genuinely the first one I, I have no clue on. What is compute? So compute is the word we use to describe uh, the amount of computing power you need to train an AI model. Something like ChatGPT needs thousands and thousands and thousands of computers. So it's about the sort of hard, hard the hardware, about the silicon chips uh, that we need to make these things happen. And people are worried because there's a big scramble at the moment because everyone wants this computing power. If you want to put money, if you want to sell shovels to gold miners during this AI rush, I'd say, and this is not investment advice, but you know, companies like Nvidia who make these chips, they you look at the graph of their their um, their value. It's shot up at the moment because everyone wants these chips. Um, there's a big shortage um, around the world as everyone is trying to scramble to get them. But the British government itself has actually spent hundreds of millions of pounds trying to acquire uh, the, these chips for Britain because it knows that um, you know if we want to compete in the future, we're going to need these things. So it's either we're going to build a you know we're going to try and build our own AI Brit GPT with all these chips that we're buying, or they're just trying to build an amazing gaming rig. We'll, we'll, fi- we'll find out. I was trying to think of a modern game I could name drop there in a humorous way and came up with Quake. Three, <laughs> uh, uh, but you know what I mean. Uh, um, That's really interesting. There's um, there's a bit of an arms, a global arms race, a space race, or however you want to mm. put it, whatever analogy you want to use between countries right now to be the most relevant force in this space, right? So, mm. America, China. I was reading the other day that the UAE, Saudi Arabia, are mm. really investing to try and try and get these materials that will play some. Really well going forward. It is. It is really odd. It's a bit like you know how you know years ago people would fight wars over oil. These days, a lot of the friction between America and China is driven by this concern over chips. America has put loads of sanctions on what China can buy and what China can use because if China can get these chips, the worry is it can make a really powerful AI that could threaten America. At the same time, America wants to protect its chip, you know, protect, protect its tech industry and protect its chips and have the best stuff for itself. So it's a real point of friction, just like any other uh, major natural resource. This brings us very sweetly onto what is happening now in Britain this week. And you were talking earlier about the AI summit. Mm. What is happening? Why is Britain hosting this? Why is Rishi Sunak trying to make this happen now? Do you want the cynical answer or the or the sincere answer? I want I want the James O'Malley answer, then we'll pull that to bits. <laughs> so give us the cynical one. Okay, the cynical answer is so Rishi Sunak, right? He, 
is is now watching the clock. He's got like a year left. He's, uh, he's going to have to call the election by January 2025. He knows he's probably going to lose. He's probably going to be turfed out of the Tory leadership. He wants a legacy. How do you build a legacy when you've not done that much? Yeah. Uh, then the easiest way to do it is to find a thing you can put a flag in and go, this is my idea. This was my thing. So part of the reason is surely the fact uh, that by being the AI guy, he's a bit of a tech bro himself, or at least that's how he likes to style himself. He can say, look, I was the guy who started this uh, the, the, I was the guy who had the first AI summit this major new technology and I was there at day one ahead of everyone else and that's how history will remember me and not for the whole eating in the restaurants during the pandemic thing sure quite a different <laughs> different change of pace mm. it is it is a cynical answer but let's be optimistic right this could be an example of a government doing something timely mm. relevant needed so yeah. whether he's doing it for ego or for humanity this feels like a, actually a nice intervention from government and a good thing to instigate. Yeah, this is this is, yeah, it's actually a. You thinking, physically repulsed there about the idea of going. Yeah, maybe that maybe the Tories and maybe Rishi's doing a good job here. Well, it's more the fact that again the British government are sort of thinking ahead about a problem rather right. than sort of letting it creep up on them. Um, but yeah, the fact that the <laughs> we're not used to this, are we? Never, <laughs> never mind being scared of AI. This is unnerving. Uh, well, exactly. Uh, but the fact that it is going to be a really big issue, and Britain can play uh, an interesting role here. Brit- uh, one thing uh, Rishi has been doing. I'm on first name terms, you see. Sure, best um, mates. Is um, he's been trying to attract the AI companies to come and set up in Britain, OpenAI, the company behind ChatGPT, they've said they're going to open their first international office over here. And there is sort of logic to it because and then this, this is almost, dare I say, a so-called benefit of Brexit. Uh, because oh. we're a small... I, this is my grand conspiracy theory, right? Okay. So we're a small enough country uh, for the AI companies to want to set up here and so, because they can they can capture our regulators. They can say, well, you write the rules that we want or we won't come to your country. And well, because we're a, a medium-sized power now without the EU, um, we want these companies to come here. But at the same time, we're still a large enough market to, to sort of try these AI tools out. In. Uh, we've got, and we've got a big university sector full of graduates who can do this stuff. So we're a really sweet spot of, um, of, of you know, useful regulation, but not too big uh, to be, to, you know, because America and the EU, they're going to set the rules very strict. Uh, Britain, we can be manipulated, but we've still got smart people here who can help the AI companies build. That's a, that's a good angle. We, we'll, we're all right for being manipulated, guys. Come and hang out. <laughs> So this is, while the other countries, while UAE and, and China mm. and India and US, whoever, is arguing over the big AI driving force, mm. are we establishing ourselves as head of seatbelts while they're inventing cars? Is this like a moment where we're trying <laughs> to go, this is our relevance, this is where we mm. can sit, we, will pr- we are the crash test dummies and we love a seatbelt? I think that's a really good analogy because... Thank you, just came to me. Because one thing we are quite good at in Britain is the paperwork. We're quite good regulators. Uh, You know, we've got stable institutions. uh, We've got people... We've got, again, we've got the sort of academics. We've got the the clever people here who can take a role and and care about this stuff in a way that many other countries can't and don't have the capacity to do so. So, yeah, by sort of leading into this, this could be a thing Britain becomes known for. We could become a centre of AI, which... And if AI is as world-changing as we expect, that could be a really good thing for Britain. It feels like uh, the first time in a while that Britain's felt relevant to a conversation. Is that mm. is that fair? <laughs> <laughs> like I say that as a British person, we did this last week about what we want to be proud of. But mm. you know, this, we're on the cusp of, of genuinely world changing, right? There's some people who doubt it. Some people go, "Oh, I can't see what it's going to do." But mm. I think, without really have talked this to you about this, I think me and you are not of that camp, and we think it's going to change the world. And that actually, 
I see what you're saying. I, I, I'm a bit of an AI optimist. Don't get me wrong. I sort of take the people who think it's going to destroy the world quite seriously. And there are sort of downstream problems of just AI being biased and all this sort of thing. Well, we talked about paperclips and that's an yeah. extreme example. But the logic of it being a bad thing is not that hard to follow. Yes, yeah, there are definitely bad things that can happen, hence the, the safety summit. But yeah, I think this is a genuinely world-changing thing. I think this is like Bill Gates has said he thinks it's bigger than sort of the invention of the internet. Uh, and I genuinely am sort of on the same pages in there, you know, me and Bill. First um, Rishi now, Bill, look yeah, at you go. Uh, because it's it's just, I'm a bit of an AI optimist. I take the people who um, are very sceptical about AI seriously. I do think there are a lot of potential downside risks and biases and all these sorts of things. But I just can't look at something like ChatGPT and think this isn't going to change the world uh, because what it does, it just does a million little simple annoying tasks and it does them really well or at least good enough to be useful. Uh, a friend of mine, um, he just uh, has a normal office job doing office things, preparing documents and this sort of thing. His job has basically transformed over the last year because he's been just putting everything into ChatGPT when it's like preparing the agenda for the, for the meeting or making a brochure for a, you know, a conference he's holding or something like that. If he's just, even if he's just rewording something, make this bio shorter, put it in the past tense. All these little tasks which, which would have taken 10, 15 minutes now take seconds. People are finding so many ways to use it now, right? I, I was mm. speaking to somebody yesterday who was doing a business analysis of their last few years of their business and asking it for recommendations going forward. Mm. People are creating art, images, amazing things. And, and like you say, the small things at work are quickly going from being, oh, no, I can't see how that replaces us, to going, oh, wow, that's done that quickly and cheaper. Mm. There's been so many things. I'm not a very good programmer. I'm a hobbyist coder. I'm a man who can follow instructions, but I can ask it to write code for me, and it just does it in seconds, well, and this it's mind-blowing. Somebody was telling me the other day that coding, the skill mm. of coding, is quickly becoming irrelevant, or will be, because the coding language now is is not C plus or, or any of those. It's English. It's right in mm. ChatGPT. Write me this code. It writes it. Yeah, I think I, I hope for the time being there's going to be a sort of uh, the, the skill will be instead be writing the best prompt. It'll be can you are you good at describing what you want the computer to do? And that's going to be uh, the big thing. So yeah, over, over if you imagine all, a billion little problems like that all, all added together, that's an enormous change to the way we live and how productive we are and, and everything. And I think hopefully, fingers crossed, assuming it doesn't change the world, that should make the world better. The weird thing for me was when I've been using ChatGPT and I realised I was being polite, I was saying <laughs> please and thank you and, and having a back and forth with it. Mm. Um, not just trying to get it to tell racist jokes. I do not like racist jokes. I'm glad it doesn't tell me that. But actually sort of having a conversation, which I would never do with Google. I would never do with, with anything else like that. Mm. Well, that's why you're going to be, get, you know, that's why you're going to get preferential treatments after the uprising and I'm going to be there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, Listen, it, I fully accepted the incoming robot overlords and I, I, I know my place. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, James, if there's mm. anyone listening to this who hasn't uh, tried AI, and I think there'll be, there'll be actually a lot of people, mm. where would you recommend starting? It is literally just worth signing up to ChatGPT or going to Google Bard or one of the other ones. I recommend ChatGPT. It's probably the best one uh, just in terms of sophistication and just, just talking to it and playing with it and just seeing what you can get it to do because it really is sort of mind-blowing. You have to sort of play with it to really understand the power of what it can do, I think. It's not too late, right? There's an AI summit this week, but it's not like this is limited to just a few people at the top. It's going to be quickly become seep into a lot of life. Yeah, eventually AI won't be this magic new thing. It will just be another thing that exists in the world. It'll be like it'll just be another button on the toolbar. If you want to summarize your article or turn it into a PowerPoint presentation, that'll just be a button you press, and it will use AI to do it. But for you, it'll just be another feature. How exciting! So, James, thank you very much for this week. Uh, we've talked AI. Uh, it's been a pleasure. It's been a real yeah. pleasure. Uh, thanks for joining us and thanks for providing a third guest. ChatGPT, thank you for joining us on the What's Happening Now podcast. Thank you for having me on the What's Happening Now podcast. It's been a pleasure to engage in some digital banter with you. 
always here to chat and share some AI insights. Until next time. James, we've talked about AI this week. We haven't had time to get to what else is happening. We'll put that in mm. the newsletter. Uh, we'll we'll summarise literally everything else in the world that's happening. Yeah, everything will be in the newsletter. Goodbye. Hello there, loyal listeners of the illustrious What's Happening Now podcast. I'm Pi, your friendly neighbourhood AI, and I'm thrilled that you're exploring the fascinating world of AI. While ChatGPT is certainly a great AI option, there are plenty of us out there with different strengths and capabilities. Yours truly included. Keep on learning and laughing with Sam and James. Better? Yeah, that's fine, but you didn't need to say learning and laughing. It sounds a bit sad, really. Oh, my bad. I'll trim it down. Hey there, savvy fans. No, of no, the no. What's stop, happening no, now stop, 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 stop.